0: Well, uh, we are going to get more uncomfortable today, so just to prepare you, but let's pray before we begin. Father, we we give you thanks for your word. Uh, Lord, it just shows to me that you love us, and you don't really pull any punches in our lives. You don't hold anything back, and uh, you're not afraid of of, uh, embarrassment, or like Al had said, just to be over the top. In fact... Your love for us is so great that you made the ultimate sacrifice. And Lord, how can we um, do anything less but to respond to that love with, uh, with our hearts, with our bodies, with our lives? So we want to give that back to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are actually concluding our series through the Song of Solomon. So if you have been uncomfortable, maybe... Um, You'll be a little bit less so in the coming weeks, Um, but we're actually coming full circle in this love song um, as we've moved from attraction to infatuation to intimacy to hostility to forgiveness to commitment and faithfulness. Marital longevity is somewhat uncommon these days. Um, As we've read, uh, I've read some statistics recently that only five or six marriages uh, last past 50 years, five, five or six percent of marriages, sorry, five or six percentage of marriages last past 50 years. Uh, to those of you who are in junior high, way back in the back row back there, you're probably not thinking too much further than the fact that you have a quiz on Monday <laughs> and you've got to study for it. But hear me out, because like Al said, even now, you can be preparing yourself for the future. One way is to observe couples that have been married for a long time and make notes about the things uh, that you you think help them stay married for such a long time. Um, Someone asked a well-known Christian uh, counselor, what are some of the things that make a successful Christian marriage? And his answer was, the same things that make a successful non-Christian marriage. I think there's a lot of... Truth to that. Um, well, here are some answers to that question from about marital success from some real-life couples that have been married fifty years or more. Okay. Elliot and Honey Ryken have been married for sixty-two years. We love each other, but more importantly, we like each other. Eighty-year-old Honey said, "We still love singing. Sometimes we get up with pains and cramps." But the day we're going to go sing, we feel great. That's what keeps us young. These actually are a pair of twins that married their, their other pair of twins. So the pair of twins married, the, the sisters married the brothers. They were both identical twins. And the, both of the brothers were musicians, and both of the, the, the sisters were singers. So they actually performed together quite a bit. All right. Here's another couple. Uh, Laura and Major Edwards were high school sweethearts who have now been hitched for 52 years. And the couple really took the words till death do us part to heart. The relationship has weathered their son's passing as well as their own bouts with cancer. The truth is, I really didn't care when I had cancer, Major said, but when I found out that she had it, I knew my job was to take care of her, so that's what I did. All right. Today, they're both in remission and plan to spend many more years together. He didn't even do his chemo until I started, Laura ribs him. He took care of me like a newborn babe. I'm here doing as well as I am, partly because of him. Um, and lastly, uh, Martin and Ruth Spencer were meant to be together since birth. Their parents were really good friends. The two started dating in high school and married soon after, The key to their 67 years of marriage? Compromise. You're going to have to give and take, Ruth said. You can't always have it one way. Whether it's for two weeks or 20 years, you really have to work at it. Though it also helps that after all these years together, 90-year-old Martin continues to write a note uh, to his wife every morning telling her he loves her, just like he did when they were first married. When a man's born, he's only born half a person, Martin says. As he grows up, the other half, personality, the whole thing, is in a woman. And when he meets that woman, he makes a whole. I make her whole, and she makes me whole. Great expressions of enduring love. Something we all hope to have at one point in our lives, not just with our spouse, although it is a special and truly wonderful thing, but to have enduring relationships in all parts of our lives, to have true friendships, to know and to be known. It's at the very heart of being human. So how do our lovebirds in the Song of Solomon do it? How do Solomon and his bride continue their romance through the years? Well, we see uh, this transition from early young love to infatuation to a more mature, long-lasting love that helps to foster Foster faithfulness that will last a lifetime. We find some clues to that in this final chapter of the Song of Solomon. With the final stanza, and it begins this way. The young couple shows us one way to keep love strong. Is to return often to the place you began. Return often to the place you began. Here's what they say in the Song of Solomon, chapter 8. And the friends are speaking now. They say, who is this coming from the desert, leaning on her lover? Who is this coming from the desert, leaning on her lover? Her response, under the apple tree I roused you. There your mother conceived you, and there she who was in labor gave birth to you. This final scene begins with the friends spotting the young couple as they return from the desert. You can almost picture them leaning out their windows, searching for their friends, and then finally spotting them riding in together on a stallion. She's sitting behind him on the horse, leaning against him as they ride back together. And as they begin to settle into life together, she remembers the beginning of their relationship together when she said in chapter 2, verse 3 Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. The idea of the apple tree perhaps relates back to his birth, the place where, she says, her mother conceived and gave birth to him. But it is also the place where she woke him, where their relationship began. Perhaps it was a place he liked to sit and be quiet, and where she joined him and they shared moments of intimate conversation together. In case in, any case, in any case, she's going back to that place where their relationship began. And that's a good thing. It is a reminder to them of how and why they fell in love in the first place. Last year, my parents celebrated their 65th wedding anniversary. And then my dad passed away in January. My sister asked them before he passed how they first met and recorded them. So here's a little bit of that video, and I hope it works. We'll see. It didn't. The video didn't work last time. Okay, maybe it'll work. Hold on a second. Is it working? Can you hear it? Oh, sorry. Okay, having the same problem. Oh, here we go. Thanks again. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh,
1: okay. uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, uh, how did you guys meet? That's it. Oh, uh, Uncle Roy introduced. So, yeah, where did you first meet? First meet, and when I come out from the. No, first meet, uh, uh, he went to the immigration to see me. Did you, did, you, uh, did you like what you saw, Dad? Who in
0: the head is that Who in the head is that lady? he
1: did. These he, Uncle Uncle Roy, he introduced the two of you. Yes. And so, how long did you uh, date before you got married? We didn't date. We well, uh, when we went uh, from he, his mom write me a letter, asked me to go to from San Diego to Oakland to meet uh, George, and then I stayed with Uncle Goldman. You know, Uncle Gorman... In and, San Diego? No, in Berkeley. Oh. Uncle Gorman lived in, in Delonis, have Delonis uh, apartment in Berkeley. Uh-huh. So uh, so I, I went out to... Before I get married to to meet him, I lived with uh, with uh, Uncle Gorman for... I don't know for how long, for How many days I forgot, you know? And before I get married, when they... When they were in Berkeley, Andy, Andy DeLonis and Uncle Coleman so nice, you know, let me stay with them Then before we go out, you know, okay. before we get married. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there aren't too many couples that can say they've, they've celebrated 65 years together. Uh, both my parents and Priscilla's parents were actually married that long before one of their spouses passed away we could see that theirs was a deep, mature love, and both couples could remember the times they first met and how they felt about each other. Returning to the place that you began is a good thing to do. In uh, 1995, it was our 15th anniversary, mine and Priscilla's. It was my second year in seminary. Our lives had been turned upside down. After changing careers, I was going to school to train for ministry, and we were living in La Mirada while I was uh, attending Talbot. We couldn't afford much, so I thought it would be a good idea to surprise Priscilla. So I asked someone to watch the kids, and I took Priscilla back to some of the significant places in our lives, uh, back in Torrance and in the South Bay area. So uh, we visited the church that we got married at, and then we went to the country uh, golf country club that we had our reception at, and then we stopped off at the condo complex where we spent the first four years of our married life together we reminded ourselves of the goodness of God and how he provided for our lives together. It was one of our more memorable anniversary celebrations. To keep love strong, one good thing to do is to go back and remind yourselves of how and why you fell in love in the first place. Our lives get so busy, and we run into so many daily issues and distractions that sometimes they drown out the most important things in our lives. So it's important to go back to the beginning frequently to remind yourself of the things that drew you together and keep you together. Well, another important thing to do is to seal the deal every day. Seal the deal every day. Verse 6, she says to him, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. Its jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. These are perhaps the most important verses in the entire book of the Song of Solomon. It really says it all. They are at the very heart of our relationship with God, how he sees us and how we see him and each other. She says to him, place me like a seal over your heart and your arm. This love is not to be taken lightly. It is permanent. It is as permanent as a seal. You know, if you've ever been hurt by someone you love, you know that is true. You know that to be true. Love is a powerful thing. I find the descriptions of love here very true to life. She says, love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. Like death, true love is unrelenting. It is inevitable and unyielding. Love burns like a a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. The power of love is like a burning flame or a flowing river, it is unquenchable. It reflects the very nature of God. God's love is unrelenting and unquenchable. If only we understood and appreciated that great power of, of God's love for us. It is reflected in Philippians 1, verse 6, printed there in your outline. So let's read that together. Let's read this together. Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God who began a good work in you will will complete it, will carry it on until the day of Christ Jesus. God's love is unrelenting. It's also described in the greatest passage of love that has ever been written greater than any love poem, greater than any love sonnet that anyone has ever written. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So let's read a few of these verses together as well and remind ourselves exactly what love is. And it's, it's on the screen, it's not in your programs. Let's read it together. Love is patient. love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away things. Now we see but a poor reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I hope that you are experiencing this kind of love in your life right now. It is God's very heart for us, and our love for one another should show this kind of love as well. It's an unconditional love, the kind of love that God gives to us and we can give to one another, and that love is like a seal on our hearts and on our arms. It's not only internal, but it's external as well. We can't just say we love someone. We need to demonstrate it. It has to be visible. It has to be a visible working out of our love for for others. That's the kind of love that God wants us to show to one another every day. So how can we keep showing that kind of love year after year, decade after decade? But we need to find friends who test our heart. We need to find friends who test our heart. Their friends come and say, We have a young sister. Her breasts are not yet grown. What shall we do for our sister for that day she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. If she is a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. This is her response. Sorry. I am a wall. My breasts are like towers. Thus I have become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. The friends come back into the picture and they are asking probing questions. They are wondering if their friend is mature enough in the relationship to keep it going. A wall is built to keep people out. A door is built to let people in. So they're wondering if she is an immature person who just lets anyone into her heart. If so, they will lock her in by hammering cedar planks across her door. If she's a wall, that is, she's only devoted to her husband, they will adorn her with silver and honor her loyalty. And her response is a resounding yes. I am mature, she says. I have become a source of peace and contentment to my husband. He has no reason to question her heart because the vow that they have made together is as strong as ever and will remain strong through the hardest of times, through the most difficult of times. But it's good that these friends who have been witnesses to this love story from the very beginning continue to play an important part an important role in their relationship. You know, no one lives in a vacuum, and our relationships need the friendship of loved ones who who will keep us honest with ourselves. Accountability is a great thing for individuals, but it's also a great thing for couples. Well, one reason that this couple is able to stay together for the long run, something we need to do as well, is to tend to our vineyards together to tend to our vineyards together. Our bride goes on and says, Solomon had a vineyard in Baal, Hammon. He led out his vineyards to tenants. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. But my own vineyard is mine to give. The thousand shekels are for you, O Solomon, and two hundred are for those who tend its fruit. One of the things that my parents gave us as a great example was that they worked together, building their home and their family. When we were younger, our family owned a very small grocery store, uh, and we all worked in it, our whole family. With five kids, we didn't need to hire too many other workers. (laughs) But the greatest thing about it was that my mom worked side by side with my dad, for all of those years. And then even when he sold the store, every other crazy business that my dad tried, um, she was always right there beside him. The princess bride talks about the vineyards of Solomon, the ones that he owns and that he rents out to farmers to work the land and to bring in the fruit of their labor. But for the wife, she is reserving her vineyards for her husband, that they work together. What a wonderful picture of a couple putting in the hard work together, not only for their own benefit, but for others as well. Oftentimes in a wedding, I will use a passage from the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you're not familiar with that book, stay tuned, because next week we are starting a new series through the book of Ecclesiastes. so That's a plug for our next series. (laughs) But here's a little preview. And the reason that I like to use this verse is that it is a picture of what married life can and should look like. Two people working together, supporting one another in whatever endeavor God brings their way. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. I'm sorry, 9 through 12 says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I believe that last line is an allusion to God being the third person in any strong relationship. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. It can last a very, very long time. Well, the final thing that keeps a love song going strong through the years is to Write a never-ending love song. Write a never-ending love song. He finally says this. He finally comes back to the song, and he says this. You who dwell in the garden with friends in attendance, let me hear your voice. And her response? Come away, my lover, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountain." the king calls out to his princess. Hey, you in there, in the garden with your friends, come out, I want to hear your voice. And she does. Her response reminds him of her earlier descriptions of him as a young lover, and it rekindles their love for one another. Perhaps it's because she sees him and she's always seen him as she first saw him. A young buck, ready to take on the world, wanting to bring her along with him. If only our spouses would always see us that way. (laughs) Or perhaps she is simply wanting to renew the vows that they made to one another during their courtship and wedding. Whatever the reason, she calls to him. She wants to be swept away once again. She wants to renew their relationship with each other. She, in essence, is ending where they began, and she's continuing this never-ending love song. But then love should never end, should it? Even if death does part, the music still lingers on. Mature love is a rarity, partly because of sometimes human immaturity, partly because real life is just unpredictable and you never know what life will bring. While while it is the ideal, I think the reality is that it is an ideal. And sometimes it is not and cannot be realized. But what a great thing to shoot for. What a wonderful um, goal to have in your married life or in any relationship. Too often these days we settle for a lot less than the ideal. And that's a shame because God does offer us so much in life to look forward to. If only we put our lives in his hands. So whether you are in a relationship for decades or you are newlyweds, God wants you to grow as an individual and as a person in your relationship. Things like mutual and renewing commitment, fidelity, honesty, working together, accountability are the things that make a relationship, any relationship, strong and stronger as the years go by. The principle is that it isn't so much finding the right mate as being the right mate. And it applies to marriage and it applies to every other relationship that you have. And while mature love is endearing and desirable, it is still a mere shadow of our relationship with the living God who loves us with a jealous kind of love. God's love is a love for a lifetime and beyond. It's the kind of love that we yearn for, and in our earthly relationships, we can begin to understand the depths of God's love for us. But we have to respond to God's love. We really do we must respond. We must receive the sacrificial love of Christ on the cross and the power of that love through the resurrection of Christ in in Christmas and Easter. And as Christ loved the church, so we must love one another. So you can respond right now to that love as we close our service together. Let's pray.